We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Let me read a couple verses to you, and uh, uh, we'll just jump into the story. How's that? You ready? Go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Uh, Paul says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Say, formed in you. Paul is believing that your life is to be transformed by Christ, that you're supposed to be reformed, remade. And I, I've written about it, preached about it, a Christ-formed life, that you be renewed in your mind, uh, and that Christ dwells in you, and that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ in you. And so to come to the Lord in an understanding of being born again, you also begin a journey of reformation. And you begin a journey of transformation. And you begin this journey to where you're supposed to begin to reflect Jesus Christ in your talk, in your walk, and in all that you do. And, and so when we begin this thing called Lent, we're beginning to participate, if you will, in a cleansing process. How many of you know you live all year long and you rub shoulders with things and things happen in your life and you need to reset? And uh, you need to kind of think through those things that have come into your world and you, you need to uh, allow God to begin that shaping and that forming process. Then I'm going to go to John chapter 15 where I was at a few weeks ago, I think. And I'm going to jump in the middle of that and use this gospel reading. John 15 verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might... How many would like to have more joy? You want me to tell you how? How do you have more joy? Read the Bible. Read the red. I mean, if you're really living a joyless life, Buy a Bible that has red print in it and go read his words. Because he said, I'm saying this to you. See, joy comes by what he says. It leaves by what you think. Oh, well. He said, I'm saying this to you so that my joy might be in you. Verse 13, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Says, There's nothing greater. There's no greater love than to give your life away to a friend. There's, there's no greater love. If you really want to know what friendship is, it's about giving your life for a friend. It didn't say for family, it said a friend. It didn't say for, it said friendship love is the greatest love that there is. Most people think that this thing agape love, but this word right here says phileo, this love of a friend. No greater, say greater. The greatest love there is, is to give your life away for a friend. You are my friends if you do what I ask you, which is to love one another. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. Say it out loud. He has called me friend. You, no, you didn't get it. He is my friend. We are to live in the knowledge that we are friends with God. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I will make known to you. Verse 16 
You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go forth and bear fruit and that your fruit would be lasting and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Wow. And these things I command you that you love one another. There's no such thing as ordinary. Not in the Christian world. Once God calls us friend, we're not ordinary anymore. I mean, if you're a friend with the president, if you're a friend with, uh, then, then everything they have is now, it, it changes your life. In other words, the friends that you have can alter the way you live. The, the friendship in your life brings to bear an entirely different opportunity in your world. And to discover that you're not living life by yourself, but you're living the life of another. That you, it makes you go through metamorphosis. One moment you're a caterpillar, the next moment you're a butterfly. You're transformed by the friends in your life. At Christmas, at Advent, we celebrated uh, the coming of the Lord. But in Lent, we celebrate how He destroys death and begins to act in our lives and share His life with us. During this season of time, we begin to clean our palate, if you will. We begin to clean the lenses of our life so that we can see the freedom and the healing and the peace that He wants us to live in. It, is, it really means springtime. I hate winter. I just absolutely hate it. I, I don't like the cold. I don't like the snow. And some of you are going, well, you poor. Well, that's okay, but I, I'm waiting for the leaves to turn again. The word Lent means springtime. It means this patient waiting, this anticipation of the fruit that's about to appear. It, it means I'm looking forward to the, the, the tomb opening up and, and God resurrecting and bringing us with him. Lent is not a time to beat oneself up. Lent is a time to get excited about what Christ has done in our lives and that he has entered into the wilderness of humanity. That Lent is this celebration of how God worked in the wilderness for the children of Israel and worked in these 40 days in Christ's life and to understand that in the chaos of our own paranoia and anger and jealousies and distances, fantasies, that, that, that there's a time to reflect and go into that wilderness and recognize how the formation of Christ has been stunted because for the last 11 months we've been having to live right. It's a good time to go deep. It's a good time to look into our lives and begin to wonder how we might remove these things from our life, how we might clear them up so that we can begin to experience that transformation of being like Christ again. It really is this mystery. It's this huge mystery about how God forms us to be like him. How many of you would like to be happy? How many know God is the happiest being that's alive? I just promise you God is not unhappy this morning. God, it, 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 oh, you didn't get it. Because you're going, well, he has joy. Listen, God is happy. He is smiling. He is shouting. He's enjoying his life because happiness is not the reward for good behavior. Happiness is a verb of loving people. And when you're in love with people and you're sharing life with one another, you're happy. And if you want to enjoy happiness, allow him to continue to form Christ in your life so that you'll be more and more like him. Because now he's not unhappy this morning. He's not frowning at us. In fact, he said, greater love have this than no man, that he lay down his life. That's an activity. If you're waiting for happiness to drop out of the sky because you buy something they advertise on blue light specials, it isn't happening. If you're waiting for that car to turn you on, wait till you get the payment. I, I, I promise you, 
Happiness is the result of being in a relationship, a friendship with the one who ultimately is happy. And he said, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to enter into this relationship of being your friend. And for far too long, we have unappreciated and been impoverished by the fact that we don't cherish our friends. Now, part of that's because that in the English language, we only have one word for love. So we love our car, love our dog, love our wife, all with the same kind of love. If you don't irritate me, I love you. Eh. Right? But in the Greek, there, there's a word called store, which means affection. I have an affection for it. There's a word called eros, which means I have a desire. And don't go erotic on me. I have a desire for ice cream way too often. And then there's the word philio, which means that it's a friendship love. Meaning I'm not desiring anything from you. In fact, I'm looking at you because I want to be kind to you. I want to be generous to you. And there, I could break this down. There's three or four kinds of friendship. One of them is you're useful to me. Uh, the other one is you bring me pleasure. But there's this phileo kind of love that says, I want to do for you what you can't do for yourself. I want to do a favor from you. I want to bless you. That's a, that's a friendship kind of love. And, and that leads us into a universal knowledge of agape. Into the, it, it leads us there. But unless we walk through this friendship, we'll never come into that universal reality. When Jesus left, he didn't leave a book. When Jesus left, he did not leave an institution. When Jesus left, he didn't leave you a formula so that you could become the next superhero of the church. When Jesus left, he left 11 people who were friends. And he revealed who he is through the relationships that he had cultivated with those 11 people. The world today, particularly in America, are celebrating great institutions or they're celebrating great individual efforts. And the truth of the matter is, is we should be cultivating our relationships with one another, particularly those whom we call friends. And far too often we overlook this and we underappreciate it. And I, I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about the culture of friendship. I want to talk to you somewhat about how when Christ came, he introduced a culture of how we relate to one another. He introduced a plan about how we share life. He came saying, the kingdom of God is now at hand. And then he called his disciples friends. I want to suggest to you that you can't translate the kingdom of God. That you can't translate it. Let me suggest to you the kingdom of God is a community of friends. That the kingdom of God is manifested through a community of people who lay down their lives for one another. Who consider the interest of other people higher than their own. I have an American heritage in my life and numbers of years ago I got really really into the languages of Cherokees and Choctaw. I grew up with my grandmother talking Choctaw and some of you get confused when people talk in a prayer language. You should have been with my grandmother. She would move from slow Oklahoma accent into praying in tongues into Choctaw and back and I, you were, and I'd say grandma what did the Lord say and she'd start talking in Choctaw because she was interpreting her prayer language in Choctaw. And I'm going. <laughs> so I got, there was this season in my life that I wanted to understand the language that I had been uh, exposed to as a child. And I began to understand all these different dialects. And one of the base accents, if you will, or cultures of Cherokee language is Lakota. 
and uh, the Lakota Indians, they live further north of here. And did you know that in the basic ancient languages of Native American Indians, they had no pronoun for I or me? Didn't even exist. There was no pronoun for I or we. Uh, think about how they had to depend on one another to survive the car, harsh, cold winters of the plains. There was no, there was no pronoun for I or we. There was only a pronoun for uh, or me. Uh, there was only pronouns for we and us. In fact, there's a word that's used in the Lakota language and also in tribes in Africa. It's the same word pronounced differently. It means mbutu. Mbutu means I am because we are. In other words, I have no life, no identity if I'm not in relationship with you. Do you know how many people are trying to find their own identity and do it on their own? You know how many people think they can discover their own identity by their own life? The truth of the matter is, out of relationship with this Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if God is anything, He's related. If He's anything, that's why that conversation about Hampton was so interesting. God is not God, Jesus, and oh, what's His name? God is this community of three that are one, and, and, and I am because we are. And the American church is not teaching this. The American church is teaching, come down here and repent of your spitting, your chewing, your drinking, and your cussing. You repent of that, and then God will save you, and you can go to heaven. And I understand that heaven is a destination that we will all arrive to, but salvation is being reunited into this family called the Trinitarian God and sharing in the life that He has today, right now. And He'll interact with you in your marriages and in your job and in your challenges. Am I in the room? If we would redefine salvation as a relationship and not a destination, we would stop judging people for what they're doing and holding heaven as a reward of their good behavior when the truth of the matter is, is because of what he did, you get to come back into the family. And now he'll begin to mentor you, Adam and Eve, until you're mature enough to handle the more important of oh, your but I got news for you. Through the, through the Reformation and the, and the Enlightenment movement, we lost the truth of the gospel, which is we now have the freedom to be friends with God. Boy. Okay. So the culture of the kingdom of God. You do know that when Christ left, he left a group of people that were friends with him and with each other. And he said, the way you relate to one another will be the greatest evangelical tool that ever exists. The way you love one another will reveal me to the world. An American church, I'm speaking to the American church, the way you relate to one another is keeping people from the church. It's keeping people from God. Can I say something to the church this morning, prophetically? The way you label one another, Methodist, Baptist, and now we name the church after whoever the pastor is because he's the superstar. The way we keep naming the church... Are you listening to me? Keeps the church from reaching over 300 million people in America. Because contrary to what they're telling you, mega churches are not saving America. We are, the overall attendance of America is down. What we do is empty little churches to make big churches. That's what we do. And the division that's in the church has now gone into our political system and the way we know each other is to vilify them and make them bad and us right. Amen. I'm telling you we have a sociological problem in our world and it's because we've been handed a lie 
And that lie is if you're good enough, you get to go to heaven. If you're good enough, you can come into my denomination. If you're good enough, God will reward you with healing. That is a lie. Jesus came and said, I call you friends, not because you have anything to offer me, but because I have everything to offer you. I didn't. Listen, being a friend of God is not like buying a pair of shoes. Here, let me try them on for a while. I'll walk around. No, they ain't any good. I'm going to get another. I had a mother tell me one time, well, you don't expect Bubba to marry a girl without trying her on first, do you? right there, right in front of me, right in the church lobby. She's still living. She didn't get it. (laughs) Only because I was praying, Sherry. Only because I was praying. (laughs) I understand that he chose us. Not because we had anything to offer. Not because we were any good. But frankly, because we were sinners. Frankly, because we needed help. Frankly, because we were in trouble, four of you ought to be going, thank God, I thought I had to earn a place in heaven. No, (laughs) friendship begins with a choice. You'll never have friendships without a choice. And let me clarify real quickly, it was his choice. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. Everybody in, in America last hundred years wants to talk about, I chose Jesus. I found Jesus. Oh, shut up. This is not about what you did. It's about what he did. He chose you. Say it out loud. He chose me. I couldn't play kickball. I couldn't play any sport. They didn't choose me because I was talented. I was chosen because he loves me. End of story. He chose me, warts and all. And he came and he said, I choose you. And I appointed you. He didn't just choose you. He appointed you. He put you into a place that he said, you're going to be successful. Your fruit's going to last uses you, he says you're going to be productive. He's going to take an unproductive life and make it a productive life only because he chose you. He said you haven't been able to do anything but when I choose you, all that I have will come to bear in your life. It's no longer you living, now it's me living and anything I put my hand to will prosper. We want to pray that like it's something we get to do. No honey, he put his life in us. Therefore we're going to bear fruit that's going to last. So before you start bragging about what you've done, listen to me brother. Only because of his friendship are you bearing any fruit. So the fruit is a sign of the friendship. Am I making any sense? If you live in the vine, you bear fruit. If you don't live in the vine. So with me, it's a choice. It's a choice. The best friends in my life, I didn't choose. Best friends in my life got in a car from Lake Havasu and drove to Hutchinson, Kansas. Best friends in my life walked out of a building, sat down in my car. I didn't pick them. If you think you're going to get to pick someone that's cute and cuddly, reason why some of you got a bad marriage is because you went looking for a curve and not a friend. <laughs> reason why some of you don't have a marriage is because when the curves failed, so did you. They will fail. This will go to here. It will. This, this. I had pecs once. And it fell. It fell. I have abs. You just cannot see them. They're covered. They're covered. They're hidden well. He's nuts. Yes, I am. 
Friendship is a gift, a gift that he gives. It's undeserved, it's unearned, it's a favor. It's a favor. It's preferential. Oh, come on, how many of you got friends you'd prefer to be with right now? Because <laughs> I'm, never mind. He said, I prefer you. I give you special treatment. I'm going to give you a platinum gold card. Every time you get some player, you just pull out and use my name. I've chosen you, so I'm going to give you my name. Because you walk in somewhere, you just say my name. And they're going, yeah, that's a friend of God. Am I, am I in the room? It's a choice. It's his choice. How you respond to his choice is important. Second thing about the culture of friendship, the society of God, the kingdom of God, is that it always begins with a conversation. He spoke to them. He spoke to Moses. He spoke to Noah. He spoke to David. He speaks to these disciples and said, I call you friends. He speaks to us and he creates the world. He speaks to us and he gives us joy. He speaks to us. Listen, you don't have a friend today that you didn't speak to. Friendship begins in a conversation. There's life and death on the tongue. You can begin a relationship simply by talking. He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to Moses. He, 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 he speaks to us. Language is the gateway to the friendship that God has opened to us. They're essential when we talk to one another. It, it, have you ever rented a car? I finally landed in Phoenix the other day, five hours late, and I got a budget car. Anybody ever rented a car? And you get off at an airport that's bigger than heaven. You just you get off, and now you got your bag. You just you missed the meeting, and 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 you're tired, and you just want to get in your Hyundai, and you just want to go <laughs> to your room, and you run over there, and you turn the corner, and the the place is packed, right? <laughs> and they, they 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 got these cattle things, you know, those little blue. They got a post, and they got a little blue. Anybody been where I've been? And 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 you have to get in there and act like a cow. <laughs> You ain't going nowhere, but uh, have you ever been there? And have you noticed no one talks to one another? Ain't nobody talking to one another because we're all mad. There's this murmuring going on. And if we're talking to anybody, it's her fault because why didn't you go from Avis? I mean, you know, it's. And I've been thinking about all this stuff and I decide, hi, how are you? Where are you from? Did you know that that is not a wall? That is a blue string. It, it, it's not a wall with slats. It's not a concrete wall. We've been hearing so much about walls. That's a string. That ain't a wall. And you, you can talk over the thing. Hi, how are you? Guy, guy nearly has a heart attack. Hi, hi, I'm fine. Hi, hi. I said, where are you from? Uh, uh. Uh, Miss Minnesota. Wow, it's been cold there, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you can see him going, what does he want? You know? And why are you here? I mean, I mean, you can see it. Is he in the FBI? Is he IRS? What is he? He's talking to me. There's a wall. 
and woo, woo, and, and, and I get to talking to them, and they're there for a wedding, and it's their however many weddings, and it, they're tired, and they're, you know, they've been, had to be there, and, and, and now we're talking, and I'm saying, well, that sounds like fun. And, well, yeah, well, we're going over to Tucson. I said, I'm going up to here. And, and now then the guy on the other side over here is breaking the wall, and the barriers are coming down, because now he's talking to him, because he's from Wisconsin, and they've had to, and, and now we're laughing. And, and did you know something? The more people you knew, the more Ubuntu you get in this thing. When you get up to the desk, you're not just one person there, because I stand up, and he's standing there, and, and he's having problems, and I lean over and say, oh no, you can do it this way. And now the lady behind the counter is going... <laughs> Because we're ganging up on her. Right? Because we're two or three agree that you're trying to rob us. You're trying to rob us. No, we don't need a tank of gas for $240. Thank you very much. You can save yourself 100 whatever it was, 240 But whatever it was, you know, at $8 a gallon. And I said, I think you can fill that up yourself. and say, really? And she's mad. You might want to have a conversation as you're going through life because if you go through life and pick up some friends on the journey of life, that was, uh, did I make a point? Are you, you're just going to remember budget. That's all you're going to. It begins with a choice. It begins with accepting that choice and that if he chose me, he chose Anita too. That if he had the audacity to choose a boy from Severy, Kansas with the problems that I have. That he also chose you, chose you. And the way I acknowledge that choice is to break the unseen, invisible barriers that we put around our lives and talk to another chosen human being. Because we insulate ourselves with blue strings. And the way I respond to the choice of God is to recognize that you're chosen too and start a conversation with you. Too many conversations about these unseen, invisible things. Third thing I'd say to you is conversation has to move beyond idle conversation. Conversation has to make a connection. Have you ever had a connection with somebody? I had it last night on the plane coming home. This guy sitting beside me, he, he, he was raised in Colorado. His grandmother lives in Wichita, and he wasn't raised in church, and he, he marries a Taiwanese woman who knew Jesus. And she began to take him somewhere, and he's very analytical. He's an engineer of some kind. And so it wasn't where she was going, but she took him to John MacArthur's church, and he said, I had to have that because the guy laid it out analytically for me. He said, I gave my heart to Christ. And he said, then we met a friend in a Bible study, and they took me to a Saddleback uh, Bible study. And he goes, and then it became more personal and casual. And all of a sudden, what? just one friend. And they made a connection. And he and I began to make a connection about Christ, sitting beside one another. And that connection was going to lead to an opportunity of the guy sitting in front of us. Conversation has to make some connections. You have to connect with people on a different level. You have to be willing. And Jonathan and David's heart was knit together. Conversation will lead to these opportunities to be knit together. And it's deeper than the conversation. It's a, 
it's suddenly when I see a sunrise or a sunset, I think about my wife, my friend. I, or I, I, I read a book and I think about one of you. Or I, Right now, coach, I can't pick up a book. Every time I pick up a book about leadership and it's coaching, I, I think about Dean. Because friends begin to connect about what are you like? What are you going through? What's the... Have you ever bought a car and then you think everybody has that car? Come on. My kids buy this Honda Odyssey. It's an ugly looking thing, but they buy a Honda Odyssey. <laughs> All time. It is. And they buy this Honda Odyssey. I think everybody has one. Every time I drive, I mean, there are more parents driving in this driveway during the week within one of the minivans. And I swore I'd never like a minivan again. But now here I am in my 60s, I may buy a minivan. <laughs> Come on, have you ever bought something and then you think, everybody's wearing that? You ever bought a shirt and then went and everybody else had that shirt on? That's why not buy at Walmart. If you buy at Walmart, you're going to be dressed like ever, <laughs> never mind. Connections. Conversations lead to connections. And when they lead to connections, you begin to recognize what you have in common with people. And see, in the body of Christ in America today, we try to distinguish ourselves by what we have different rather than by what we have in common. Particularly in our area of faith. How many believe that Jesus is the Son of God? How many of you believe he died on the cross for your sins? How many believe that on the third day he rose again? How many believe he ascended into heaven and he's coming back? How many believe that? Hello? Can I just suggest to you that I do not know of one Christian church in town that teaches anything different? I've been here 33, almost 34 years. Every Christian church in town believes Jesus is the Son of God. Believes he died and rose again. Believes he's... Listen... We are all teaching the same gospel. Now, we may sing different songs. We may play with different music. We may accentuate certain attributes of our faith. But at the base level, listen, when you begin to converse with people, you'll, you'll discover the connections of what you have in common. Go there. Go there. That'll build friendships. That'll build relationships. That will build the kingdom of God. That will open the doors for others to see that we like each other, that we're nice to one another. It's the best evangelistic tool that there is. It's a choice. It's a conversation that leads to a connection. Did you know that when you make connections with people, number four, is you begin to confirm the value of that person. Do you know every human being that I know today needs to be affirmed. It needs to be confirmed that they're a friend of God. It needs to be confirmed that they're important, that they matter. Listen, a culture of friendship, the kingdom of God, always begins to confirm how important every individual is. Am I making sense? My individual reality becomes known to me because other people that I'm sharing life with begin to confirm, I am a friend of God. I am a child of God. I am their brother. I am their sister. And, and it's confirmation. Oh, I could go into a whole story on confirmation, but you probably don't want to. What time is it? No, you don't want to hear it. You don't, you don't want to hear it. It's, it's a confirmation. It's friends that stick closer than a brother. Friends that sharpen and make you the best. Friends that love at all time. They bring out the best in you and they begin to confirm to you.
that you have a purpose and a meaning. I mean, come on. Whenever you begin to feel a little, little challenged, you need to hear the voice of a friend. Right? You need to hear the encouragement of a friend. You need to... That's why in this church, you begin to judge somebody, I'm going to give you the names of 87 other churches. You begin to evaluate and condemn somebody, I'm going to tell you the tribe that you can go to here in town and you can just dance around that crap. Because that's all it is. Because what we're supposed to be doing in here is confirming the identity that everyone in here is a child of the Most High God, loved unconditionally, unexpectedly, undeservedly, and that if we mentor one another and grow with one another, we will each see the potential and the flourishing that God intended us to have. So it's confirming, it's affirming, it's encouraging, it's where we live together. And the fifth thing that happens in a culture of friendship in the kingdom of God is we begin to live in communion. We begin to recognize that we have been united with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, it's called a parakiesis. In the English, it's called a circle dance. That to become one with God, John 17, I pray that you might be one, that the world might believe, is to join this family of the Trinity and to begin to, to spin together in this wonderful life. And the body of Christ in a culture of friendship needs to begin to commune with one another. They need to share each other's joys and sorrows. They need to affirm that we are now in that kind of relationship where we lay our lives down one for the other. That we're not looking at the differences or even... Am I making any sense? That's why Paul would close his second letter to the Corinthians by saying, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. A friend is somebody that I may not see for years and yet I come back into their presence and the music is the same. Have you ever been with somebody and you, you just could hear the same songs? You just hear the same sounds. They, 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 they may like opera and you may like country music, but it's the same song. It's the song of songs. It's, it's the Christ working inside of your flesh to bring out the reality of God through a woman, through a man, through someone tall, through someone short, through someone black, through someone white, but it's the same source of life. Am I making sense? That's communion. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's a culture that is cross-cultural with the world. And the church has gotten in bed with the culture. The church has allowed the way the world does things to come into itself. And Lent, boy, Lent is a time we're supposed to shake off the habits of the world and return to the calling of the kingdom of God and be and live the way that Christ caught us to live. Boy, I would call the church in America back to Lent. I'd call her back to this understanding that they've been chosen to live in a confirming relationship with God and that he values us and that we need to value one another. And that that's a life of happiness. The word for happy in the Greek, in the Latin, and in the Hebrew is a word that means fully flourishing. Fully flourishing. To be happy is not an emotion. It's to be fully flourishing and functioning the way we were created to. 
that when we're realizing our highest and best potential, when we're answering the call of God and living this life, that's when we are at our best happy. Did you know that depressed people sit down, shut the windows, do nothing? You want to break depression? Get up, open the windows, enter into a conversation with other people. Make a connection. They'll confirm and affirm to you who you are. Live in. So how might we, as a little church in Hutchinson, Kansas, make the biggest difference in the world? Friendship is not optional equipment. It's not. It's the primary source of our Christian faith. It's the primary way that God sustains our Christian faith. It is the key to living a life of fulfillment and of happiness. It's the calling of Lent. It's the calling to set aside the habits that we've picked up from the culture of this world and recover the culture of the kingdom of God, this friendship with God, and live in that relatable reality. Just as your pastor, I stand here and say, he's chosen you. He's talking to you. Answer the line. Answer the phone. Connect with a little different way. Every human friend I have opens the divine to me. Every human relationship I have takes me into a transcendent knowledge. It lifts me above and beyond even that relationship. Because when I'm in relationship with someone. It's not that two and two equals one. It's that two and two opens the door that we can be transcended into the reality of his presence. It's what happens in this room when we join together in a song, when we pray a prayer, when, when we share the bread. Suddenly we become more than the addition of ourselves. Suddenly it transcends us up and the heavens open and the glory Am I making any sense? <sighs> hmm. I've given my life to even begin to understand this. I'm not even sure I live it, but I'm trying to understand it. Is that? Hmm. Have you got the very end of this, Lucas? This is, this is my homework for you over the next six weeks, maybe this afternoon. Have you got it? Those three questions at the very end. Let, let me make a suggestion to look at someone. I've written this down in my journal over the years. How, how is your life going at the moment? Do, do you understand you can meet somebody in a line to budget car rental and go, hey, how's your life going at the moment? Did you know that'll open a conversation? How, how, how about this one? What are you finding especially encouraging in your life at this moment? And thirdly, what are some of the greatest challenges that you face? Can I tell you that those three little questions, I, I may not ask all three of them, but I'll, I'll pick one of them, and that's how I'll talk to the dude from Minnesota. That's how I'll talk to one of my children that live in New York. I never take it for granted. How you doing? What's the most challenging thing? What, what's encouraging you right now? Can I suggest to you that you'll live a richer, more flourishing? 
It'll be a spiritual experience that will transcend Sunday morning. As powerful as Sunday mornings are, and I think they're the greatest we ever... Wouldn't you like to take that out and engage with someone out there? That would be Lent. If you're in this room this morning and you've never acknowledged that Jesus has called you friend, but you'd like to acknowledge his friendship, you'd like to acknowledge that he's chosen you, the scriptures are so clear, the tradition so beautiful, simply said, if you believe that he's your friend, if you believe that he's the Lord and he did what he said. He gave his life for you. If you believe that in your heart and you'll be willing to acknowledge Jesus is Lord, he's, he's the friend of my life. The Bible says that you change kingdoms, that you step out of the kingdom of darkness and in the kingdom of light. The Bible says that you start a whole new life, that you're born again. The Bible says that you begin living in the relationship with Christ. It's not... It's not some sort of deep theological. It's really very simple. Would you like to be a friend of Christ? It's really that simple. Now I'm going to tell you, over the course of a life, there'll be lots of changes. I've got time. If you just bow your head, everyone in the room, just be my friend for a minute, be respectful. Would you bow your head? If you've heard me say that and you want to acknowledge his friendship, only thing I'm going to ask you to do this morning, I promise I won't ask you to do anything else. Just lift your hand and say yes and put it right back down. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us, for choosing us, for coming into our hearts. Empower those that raise their hand to continue to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a clap off of that. You didn't see it, but I saw it. Several people uh, acknowledged that prayer, and that is so, so cool. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.